Okay. Wow, it's like visitors coming just in time for the final exam. <laughs> so we'll go back to the beginning. <laughs> so we will sort of. We always try to get this. So the purpose of this class, as most of us know, is is to understand what, what it means to be led by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. What, what, what is that whole thing happening? Um, and we kind of camp in Romans 8 because, okay, here you go, everybody. We're going to go through Romans in 15 seconds. Ready? Romans 1, the world's a mess. Romans 2, so are you. Romans 3, I paid off your past debt. Romans 4, that was about faith and it will be about faith from here on. Romans 5, I pay your monthly note. Romans 6, I put you in witness protection. Romans 7a, the law can't find you either. Your name is now not in the post office. Romans 7b, you're not crazy. It's actually not you who's causing all the trouble inside of you. There's sin in you. Okay, so, so, that's, so you go, wow, that's really good news. And if you go back and look through those, you go, so every single thing that was wrong with me or could be wrong with me is taken care of. Now, God says, now, now let that seep into you. And you can't let that seep into you just with study, just by cramming your head full of stuff. I've actually given, it's like going to Yellowstone and you go, okay, I have a map, you know, and it's like, oh, wait, we're supposed to turn left there. But what if a guide got in the car with you and said, now, when you get to a certain spot, I'll show you where you are on the map. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is this guide to lead us through life. So Romans 8 Paul starts out by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation. Okay? So I'm starting out not as a condemned prisoner, but as a free prisoner. And he says, now with that guide, I want you to do some things. So number one is the mind. So, so here I have this, this not me that's inside of me bothering me. And there's this me. And, and I, even in church, I'm sometimes taught that the not me is me. And you dirty rat, you're just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. So poor and poorly shod, hoping to be drifted up on some heavenly shore by some celestial wind. And you go, stop it! You're not a sinner. You were a sinner. Such, but you've been washed. But you've been, you know, Paul says, you were, you were. And, and when I get dragged into that feeling that I am, I am, it's just defeat after defeat after defeat. But God says, no, come over here to the high ground of who I made you to be who I've called you to be, who you are irrevocably destined to be, and with the guide, set your mind not over here, but set your mind on the spirit, because your mind sits in the middle, and it's like, you know, the little guy on each shoulder, right? And he says, look, just look over here and set your mind on the spirit, because when you live that way, it's life and peace. So if you go, how much of my life is not life and peace right now? To that extent, you're probably over here. Right? Because even though in the world you'll have tribulation, from this vantage point, I can do what Jesus said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So you could say, okay, I, I just screwed up again terribly. Oh, wait. Actually, I didn't screw up terribly. The part of me that, that I really hate and God hates on that side of the table, and I'm sitting with God, I, I let that part overcome me this 20 minutes ago. You know what? Jesus said if you, you should forgive each other seven times 70 every day, you don't think he works that way with us. You actually can't out, outrun God's grace. You can't outsin the grace of God. And so it's not something we take for granted. It's something we take for fact. 
I wouldn't believe it except God did it. He said, since not unimportant, it's so important, I have to take care of it myself. Because you can't. You're unable. So, number one, mindset. Number two, if by the Spirit we're put into death the deeds of the flesh, then we will live. So, life and peace is where we come from. Putting to death by the Spirit. So, you know, you're trying to pry a rock out of the ground, and you go, you can't do it. But you get a lever, and you go here, and you go, and it pries right up. This is leverage by the Spirit. We have leverage to change things radically within our lives, okay? We've been given leverage by the Spirit, okay? And then the third thing is, now, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So we never teach this, well, except right here, right now, but it's like, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, right here. If you're being led by the Spirit of God, there, that is evidence on the face of it, prima facie evidence that you are a son of God, led by the Spirit. Now, the problem is, is that God is in human, and his first language is in English. And if you're okay with that, then he will draw you into a far better way of living and communicating than rote, verbatim stuff. You'll have a sudden thought, an impression. You'll be in a conversation. You also know what to say. There'll be just a sense of, of danger you know, be careful in this. You walk into a room and it's like, it's like God helps you do a 360 in a sense. I mean, as you begin to learn to walk in the Spirit, you go, oh, Jesus said, I never say anything I haven't already heard the Father say. I never do anything I haven't been sensed the Father telling me to do. And I'm sending you that way too, into the world. And so he wants us to live a different life. And we mess up a lot and it's okay. It's okay. It's like a baby learning to walk. The baby falls, you're going to tell, you idiot, just crawl in. I mean, nobody would do that. Everybody's going, two steps, three steps, come on, come to daddy. And that's exactly how God treats us. He goes, three steps, come to papa, come to papa. He's proud of us. He's like, we're his kids. Okay, and so that's where we are. We're coming from that place. We're not coming from a, this is an uphill slog and we've just got, no, we're coming from a place of sitting in his lap on the throne. I am seated with God, sitting in his lap. See, if I'm seated with God and there's just one throne, there's only room for me on his lap, right? So I'm sitting on his lap, my head against his chest, and, and today, this afternoon, you go from that place, what do you say? I don't know what to do in this conversation. What do you say? Right? And we can ask him. And he's not a mysterious God in the sense of, oh, he's a mysterious God. You're going to have to fast and pray. And he probably, you have to wait on the Lord. You know, there's some places for that. But the reality is, he's a good father. And if, and, and so we had five families camp at our house this weekend. I thought they were going to camp down by the creek where I mowed. No, they camped next to the house where they could come in for a bathroom and in case it rained, they could all sleep in the house, which they did. So, and so it was really, really enjoyable to do that with them. And, and I enjoyed having them around, even though it was a heck of a lot of work and I'm strung out. Okay, it's like finally get some sleep. And so this is the relationship that we're in. <coughs> Wait a minute. Did I put the wrong? And so, um, well, we'll see. I may have the wrong PowerPoint. Um, so, so now you have this chart. So, so we have been talking about several things. Um, we've been talking about um, 
the kinds of trouble we run into. And so we called that um, WISA, wounding, entanglement, sin, ungodly belief, and demonic. Everything out of Luke 15. And we'll get right back to that in a minute. And today we're going to talk about just a really simple five-step process to apply those things to your life, okay? And then we put them together in the chart from heck, okay? So that's, that, that's like, okay, so I'm like Ivy League engineer guy. And so I think in terms of charts, and I apologize ahead of time, but maybe you'll like it just fine. So we said in the Fruit Loop, get us out of trouble. So um, here are the five ways we get in trouble. The lost coin, remember, um, I forget who did the teaching of this. Was that? No, who did? Well, anyway. Yes. Oh, Jeannie. Oh, that's right. I was taking notes. And then you talked about intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. Anyway, the lost coin is, is a picture of a victim. A coin did nothing to get lost. It bears the image of the king. It has value. And it's in a dark and dirty place. And a woman sweeps, shines a light, rescues the coin, which is what we do with wounding. I have been wounded by somebody. I am a victim. And God shines a light with truth. He sweeps the room. I'm not tainted. I'm not dirty. He brings me back into his heart and has a party uh, to celebrate finding me. Repentance is redefined by Jesus. Don't cry. <laughs> Repentance is being redefined by Jesus as being willing to be found. We always say repentance is, I'm sorry. I'll mow the lawn. I'll, I'll be in time out. And, and no, God redefines repentance as being willing to be rescued, being willing to be found. It, it's crazy better than Old Testament repentance, okay? Willing to be found. So the coin was willing to be found. Lost sheep, duh, right? Bam, bam, sheep are stupid. And the sheep wandered away, couldn't find its way back, stayed longer than it thought it would stay, paid more than it thought it would pay, and couldn't get back. And the shepherd who knows everything about sheep, finds the sheep, gets the sheep free, puts on his shoulders, he bore our sins, he bore our sorrows, and as, as Franklin said, and from his shoulders we get to get his perspective on things. That was brilliant. I have, I have written that down. When we change the book, I'm going to put a footnote in. Your name will be in there. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, so that's entanglement. So that's the second way. The third way we get in trouble is the prodigal son. I disobey. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Wrong seems really important to me right now. And I go after wrong. Then sin finds me out. The sin does the teaching. When he returns to the father, the father doesn't go, well, I told you, right? Or, well, you're going to be a slave. You know, the son is coming back trying to negotiate a paid position so he can pay back the father. The father will have none of it. He makes him a son again, right? Being willing to be found. So when I'm a sinner and I, and I go, Father, ah, oh, really? My father goes, really, I love you. I know who you are. I come to you from your destiny, not your history. I come to you from who I know you are, not who you think you are. And it's crazy good news. I mean, it makes the gospel way better than we even thought it would be. And so he makes him a son again. He gives him a, rig, a ring and robe and sandals. We talked about what those things mean. Then we have the older brother who is just as lost as the, as the prodigal son. He's just lost while he's on the farm, right, working as a slave. He sees the father as a stingy slave driver 
and he is just a slave who doesn't ever get paid because he's a son, so why would he get paid? And the father goes, you got it totally wrong. Everything is yours. So he says the three things because the ungodly beliefs we have always make the father, always make God more legalistic, more stern, more hellfire and damnation than he actually is. And so the father comes out and he says the three things people who think that about God need to hear. My son, relationship, you've always been with me, proximity, intimacy, everything I have is yours, generosity. Right, the three, the three things you go, oh, I didn't believe any of those things about God, now I do. So this is all, um, and then there's the demonic. There is something that's happened in my life or in the life of my progenitors that has provided opportunity or legal opportunity. Satan is a legalist and an opportunist. He will look for a break in my protection and he will try to come through that break, right? So, um, <clears throat> so when we look at these things, we might think that's really complicated, but think about your life now. How do you stay, uh, so there's germs everywhere, there's contaminants, there's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. But if I eat right, exercise, and don't go stupid places and drink stupid things, I'll be fine. Same way in the kingdom of God. If I eat right, exercise connection with him, and don't go stupid places, I'll be fine. It's pretty simple, okay? We, we just get disciplines in our lives that aren't all about pornography, aren't all about hanging out with idiots, aren't all about um, unbelief. They're about finding my destiny, finding my calling, and realizing that is the greatest adventure I will ever come into. Because when I find those things, I find who I was made to be. There's a piece of paper back there, to, I think, on a chair. Chair. Oh, yep. Now you've been victimized, too. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and when I find those things, I find my life. I go, oh, this is what I was made to be, which is better than anything else I could find. Okay. And so the demonic is after that, that purpose in you. It's not random. We talked about he's always after the metron, the measure of God in you. And so we understand what happened, we renounce it, we break it, we cast it away, um, and we get filled with the Spirit. The empty place gets filled, the place of darkness gets filled. Grab a piece, oh, you got it, okay. Okay, so, so those are the five ways we get in trouble. And so I've probably prayed with, I don't know, a couple thousand people over the 25 years, and I've never run into anything that wasn't a combination of those five when it comes to spiritual issues, ne never. The, it's... Jesus, in his, in his set of parables in Luke 15, explained exactly how he ministers. He goes, this is how I did it. I'm doing it in a parable. So you scribes and Pharisees who are critical will never understand. But we can understand. Okay. So, so then you go, okay, so now I'm sitting down. Somebody comes and goes, can we talk? And you're going, sure. Now, what do I do? I have those five things. I kind of know, but how do I go about it, right? So... Have you ever tried to go down, um, go down 431 through Franklin and then come out on 431 at the other side? <laughs> you almost never do. You, 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 you're, you're, wait, I'm in Columbia. How did I get in? I wasn't going to Columbia. Or I'm out Cars Creek Pike. There's Andy's house. Hey, you know. So the only way you stay on it is as you're driving through town. There are little signs that go, "You're still on 431," right? 431 with an arrow. So that's what these are. 
in ministry, there's five things. Fruit, what's happening? Hey, what's going on? Why are you here? Tell me why you called. You might have some ideas. God will always reveal people's hearts if we ask him. If our, if our goal is healing, he will give us insight into the person. Why? Because he wants us to be helpful. And he doesn't want us to make stuff up. So we can ask him, God, will you just begin to show me what's going on as we're talking? So what's happening? And in your mind, you're going, oh, this feels like wounding. Oh, but this is entangled too. Because it's never just one thing. Okay. So you say, oh, so I sinned. Then I got entangled because of the sin. But I sinned because I was wounded and I was just pissed at my dad. So I had wounding, which caused me to sin, which caused entanglement. And so it's like, okay, let's back that out, okay? And so it, it can get complicated, but in that flow chart, you'll see we've got all kinds of hints. So fruit, then root. Um, so this is called the fruit loop, by the way, just so we have a fun name for it. So root, where did it come from and why? Everything had a starting place. There's always a reason something happened. There's always a starting point. When you were created in God, this wasn't part of his plan. So it started someplace, and it can be nipped. It can be stopped. It's not part of his plan going forward. We sometimes bear the consequences of people's actions against us, but we always bear them here while we bear the Lord here. Okay? Satan wants us to become the product of those consequences, and they become our identity. That's not God's plan. God's always like, I'll keep it here. Yeah, it hurt back then. When I think about it, it was, it was not good. But God, being rich in mercy, that's not my story. I have a different story. Okay, where did it come from? Boot, how do we get rid of it? Which of the we said things is it? Because in each of the we said things, there's a way to get rid of it. With wounding, there's a way to get rid of wounding. With sin, there's a way to get rid of sin. With entanglement, there's a way to get rid of entanglement. And we talked a lot about in this class, our words are powerful, our actions are powerful. I talk myself into trouble, I can talk myself out of trouble. I made a stupid vow, I can break that vow. In my head, my voice goes, you idiot, you idiot. And you go, wait, that sounds like my dad. Wait a minute, I can stop that and replace that with God God, what do you say? My son, my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Oh. Officer, I'm so sorry, I was speeding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay, I still was speeding, but I'm speeding as a son in whom he's well pleased. And, and that's a whole different consequence when I go home and go, oh, you know, I was speeding. I, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Holy Spirit to sit right here next time and, and pay attention for me and nudge me if I'm you know, lost in space. I got forgiven last week of a speeding ticket. Um, woman pulled me over. I said, I was thinking about my meeting. I am so sorry. I was speeding. Here's my license. I, I deserve it. And she goes, that was the best attitude I've seen in this week. Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks, God. Big thanks. Um, loot. So what do we, when, when we boot the thing out, we don't want to leave the person empty. So we want to take back what was stolen from Satan's intention. And we want to take back more. Right? We're going to take back more than what was stolen. Satan had a dark intention. God has a bright future. And God loves sticking it to Satan. Kind of like when the people came and took all of David's, you know, men, women and children, all his goods and absconded. He comes, he shows up. 
they're going to kill him, his own people, because this happened. And the first thing it does, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. Crazy sentence. He's so David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then he went after him, destroyed all of them, took all their stuff and their own stuff, and came back with more. That's the way God deals with, with stuff like this. Okay, God wants Satan to always go, damn it, I shouldn't mess with that person. I get kicked up every single time. That's what he wants to happen. Okay, so loot, take back more. And scoot, so fruit, fruit, root, 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 scoot, right? All right. Um, scoot, what, what life choices and changes do I need to make? Okay, so you put that, you, you think about it, you go, got it. Okay, so this would be a piece of cake. I got we said five things. I got fruit, root, 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 scoot, five things. This will be a piece of cake. We can fix that. So, so me, sitting there, several years into this, went, well, this would make a great diagram. And you probably look at that and you go, ah. So what we're going to do the rest of our time is we're just going to walk through a couple of examples using the chart. Okay? And, and you can fire away the questions. If you have your own example, say, okay, this is going on. We'll just go on. Well, sort of like. We'll just kind of talk through how it would work, okay? Because once you kind of get it in your head, and now how many of you are on the, on the Freedom Prayer team? Just raise your hand so I can see. See, there are a bunch of people in here who do this all the time. There's been, I don't know, 300 prayer sessions, give or take. 100. Yeah. So, so there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of prayer sessions going on among us. Did I have that number really wrong? No. I say give or take a hundred. Oh, give or take a hundred. Okay. All right. All right. There's a lot. Okay. Because people, I mean, I had an elder come up. I won't say who it was. An elder come up to me, a pretty well-known elder come up to me last week and say, I want to thank you for freedom prayer. I didn't really understand it when it first came out, but I really appreciate it now. And I was just like, Yes. We'll talk, <laughs> but it was that elder. So it's like, you know, so it's, it's just, it's been a good thing. Why? Because it's, it's not some made-up set of tools. It's just the Bible. It's just, it's just sanctification, okay? Sanctification says, if by the Spirit we're put into death, those things will live. So how do we do that? It's just really practical. That's our goal is to not get biblical, not, you know. Then we take a trip to Israel, and then in Romans 12, it's now be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is day-to-day -day putting things in practice. And that's where counseling really helps. Cognitive behavioral, how were you thinking? Let's change that. How are you thinking? Let's change that. Okay? Okay, so here we go. Um, oh, I was going to do the first example, right? Okay, well, I'll do, I'll do one now that I'm standing up here. Um, so a woman came in, and she said, yeah, I'll use that one. Um, she said, I have been having thoughts of harming my children. And I was about to say we have to call some service and, you know, all, all those things. I said, but you haven't, no, she said, oh, no, I, I would never, I would never do that. But where, why those thoughts? She goes, they're really oppressive. And I, I've talked to my husband about it. And, and, and he said, I should come talk to you. And so here we are. And why? And I'm going, I honestly have no idea. Let's connect with God. And so he said, he's near to the brokenhearted. Call on me and I will answer you. 
I'll never leave you or forsake you. I live inside of you. And so, so he's right here. He's, he's in us. We just need to. And so she shut her eyes and said, Jesus, would it be okay? We asked Hope, would it be okay? See, I have to close my eyes to do this. Would it be okay if, if you and I sat together to talk about this? Because I don't know what to do. Would it be okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm his sheep. I, I feel like I'm in Psalm 23, and we're sitting in a field, and we're sitting together. I thought, sheep, shepherd, this might be entanglement. You know, I just kind of had that little, little, um, and, and so then she said, Jesus, is there anything you want to show? And she didn't even get the question up. Is there anything you want to show me about? She goes, huh, haven't thought about that in a long time, which is like a dead giveaway. And she said, when I was a little girl, probably 10 or 12, I was going to a movie, and I forget the, the names of the movies, but it was like, I told my mother I was going to The Sound of Music. And the other girls heard her, her mother that. And we went to Friday the 13th, part two. You know, we just wanted to go. And we're sitting in there, and she goes, I have never seen anything like that in my life. And when the guy with the mask, so it was the mask thing, whatever that was, when he, when he came out, I felt absolute terror. And I said, if you, inside, she said, if you don't kill me, I'll do what you say. If you don't kill me, I'll do what you, it, I mean, she said that. Now, what was happening? In the spirit, a demon was using that break in her system. She went to a bad place. She went to the Chernobyl of horror movies and was using that break in her system and invaded her and took, it, took opportunistic advantage of her, threatened her with horror, projected this into her. She made a deal and say, said, good, you've made a deal. And for 30 years, nothing, no, no, no. And now the thoughts start coming, the thoughts start coming. And, and so I asked her, I said, does it feel like a demand? And she goes, she goes, Yes, it feels like there's a demand. There's a demand. Remember Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat because of what Peter had done earlier. Seeking whom he may devour. Okay? So she goes, yeah, it feels like a demand. I said, well, let's ask Jesus what you should do. And she said, Jesus. So where are we now in this? What, what issues have popped up of, of, these, of these five which ones are there? Well, so, yeah. So we've got, um, she disobeyed mom. Absolute sin, deception. She got entangled through a demonic influence. Okay? So we got this one, this one, and this one going on for sure. And so we say, okay, so... So what do we do? We don't want to start here because this demon still feels it has a right to stay because she made a deal. So we could start uh, here with entanglement, but we probably should repent of the sin first, right? Because the sin kicked it off, so let's just back it out in reverse order. So we said, um, you should... Um, you should confess and repent. She goes, you think I should tell mom? I said, I don't know, but give it to Jesus, right? He bore our sin. So she said, Jesus, 
I, I repent now. You have found me. I repent now of deceiving my mom. I'm not, a, I'm not a woman of deception. That's not who I am. But I did that. And I repent of it now. Would it be okay if I gave that sin to you? Would it be okay? Right? And she's sitting there. She goes, she goes <laughs> I said, I can't tell if you're laughing or crying. <laughs> says, I kind of watch her. And she goes, he went like this and just put his arms around me. And I felt it just drawn out of me. It was like, it was just like, and she goes, oh my gosh. He is so close, so close. She just, she's sitting there. I mean, just, I, I just remember. <laughs> anyway, so I'm crying because I remember. Um, she's so close. Then we go. So now we said, okay, let's go after uh, entanglement. And, and, and she goes, um, Jesus, what should I do? And she didn't really get anything. I said, well, you made a vow. Let's break that vow. Okay. So I led her through it. I renounced the vow that if you don't hurt me, I will obey you. I break that vow now because you have no right to hurt me. Right? Ungodly belief. You have no right to hurt me because I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I renounce that vow now. I break my relationship with you and I command you to cease. You have no authority over me. This part was easy. In the name of Jesus, leave me now and never come back. She goes... Is it that easy? I said, wasn't easy for Jesus. He died for that, but easy for us. No problem. She went home, saw her two weeks later at church. How are you doing? It's gone. It's like it was never there. The not I was quite that, that direct, quite that easy, but poof. Why? Because things happen in the spirit, and we can't count ourselves out of something we spirited ourselves into. It's the wrong tool. Okay? We could count, oh no, you, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, hurt your chip. No, that's the wrong tool. You can't cast out sin and you can't repent of a demon. Okay? There are tools that we use. And so so here are the tools there under the boot. And so we did those things. And it was very, very effective. And it worked for her and it, to this day, nothing. And she learned how to deal with stuff like that. I mean, she said, I mean, I can do this like for everything. I said, yeah. Heck yeah. So, Mike, uh, oh, any questions about? <laughs> any thoughts? Any? I have a, I have a comment. So, yeah. true confession. If you use the word demonic or anything like that, I get really nervous and have no idea what to do with it. Um, but one thing that's been very helpful to me is the concept that. There has been a crack in the door, like the movie yeah. or the occult or, do you know what I mean? There's yeah. something that allowed it versus, I think in, in my mind it was, I'm just plain old Jane going about my life and it just overwhelms me without any kind of opportunity. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably where I had to kind of sort through my own theology about that. Yeah, we never assume demonic presence, but we always assume demonic influence. And that's, we don't have to do, is it in or on, is it around, you just go, no, it's influencing you. You have lost some measure of control in this area, some measure of free will. We don't care, we just want it gone, we don't care. Okay? Otherwise, you just get into, yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, experienced that feeling of that wonderful hug, mm. and it changed my spiritual life. You know, my God loves me, I'm His, and I never felt that before, so I, I think that 
grateful all the time and just smile and feel yeah. good. Yeah, once you encounter him in real, in real time, you just go, why haven't I been living like this? Because I didn't know. I didn't know. If Satan can keep us ignorant of the immense love, the one thing the Holy Spirit, don't get me preaching, the one thing the Holy Spirit cries out inside of us isn't, no stupid, not like that. That's what I thought growing up. The one thing the Holy Spirit cries out is Abba. Says it twice, Romans and Galatians. The Spirit cries out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. If we are uncomfortable going to Father God and saying, Daddy, we should ask why. Because that's what he says, call me Pops, call me, call me Dad. That's the familiarity I want with you. The best dad ever on earth. That's the familiarity I want you to have. You don't have to knock. You don't have to wipe your feet. Come on in. Clear stuff off the table. China is not as important as you right now. He's infinite anyway. Yeah? I just went to the bathroom, so maybe you already answered this while I was out. Yeah, we did. Okay, so okay. <laughs> Why do you think it's so difficult for us to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit versus our own lies that we tell ourselves or you know, preconceived notions or, or yeah. legalistic thoughts? Why is it so difficult for us? And is it, like is, is it a lack of it's the lack of scripture or studying the scripture that we just don't we have, we don't focus on it or I don't know? I think it's unfamiliar to us. I think that the Holy Spirit doesn't barge in and say, This is God, wake up. Quiet, gentle. In other words, it says, look, don't quench the spirit. You can quench the spirit very easily. Don't grieve the spirit. You can grieve the spirit. The spirit is very gentle. The spirit flows. Jesus said there's a river that flows out of our belly. By this he spoke of the spirit whom those were to receive. Okay, John 3. We have a river flowing out, but we have not been taught, nor have we learned to honor that flow. Because okay? that flow is not a flow from the soul and the mind. And we as Christians have been taught that the flesh is evil, but the mind is good. That is not what Scripture teaches. Scripture says that the mind, Christian, does not understand the things of God. They are foolishness to him. The mind-controlled Christian. The psychikos. There's sarkikos, body-controlled, psychikos, mind. And pneumaticos, spirit-controlled. He said... You, 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 you made it halfway out. You went from Sarkikos to Psychikos, but Psychikos is more incipient than Sarkikos. Sarkikos is obviously wrong. Psychikos is not obviously wrong. And God says, no, I want you over here where things may appear foolish, and, and you will understand how to fly over here. Not over here where your mind says flying is impossible. Over here where your spirit says, Flying is your nature. Okay? That's why. Any other? You should go. Okay. Um, let me add to that as well. The thing, uh, we have a tendency to separate our mind and our emotions and uh, our body, how we feel and sense. And the reality is God works through all aspects of our lives physical emotional mental spiritual everything god's working in all of those different angles to lead us and direct us the problem we struggle with i think in our tradition is that um, 
I'm hearing this voice in my head, but how do I really know it's from God? That's where Scripture comes in. If The Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to contradict Scripture. So if you, if, you, if you feel prompted, actually, the Spirit always leads you to life and peace. But if something is leading you... Now, if it's leading me out of sin, I may, have, I may struggle, but it's going to bring me to life and peace. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So, the, the idea here is, is that God works through our mind, but He also works through our imagination. He works through our sense of emotion and that sort of thing. The problem with us in America today is we place everything on emotion. And, and the proverb says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And so, that's where you turn to Scripture, and Scripture helps you direct, is this... Is this a God thing or not a God thing? Okay? And, and sometimes I misinterpret the Scripture, and I think it's a Spirit and it's not. But that's not a bad thing. That's just called life experience. How do we get better at anything? By making mistakes. By misunderstandings. By learning from, from what we do. Okay? Alright. Uh, important from... I know this is true with Andy, but also with me, the people we're talking about, you don't know. Uh, so, if you're wondering, at church, what's he talking about? <laughs> Nobody here. Uh, one of the things I love about Freedom Prayer is, is that it's not just an Creek thing. Uh, we pray with folks at Ethos, we pray with folks at uh, Church of the City, uh, Cross Point, uh, Christ Press, um, I mean... We're all a team together, and we go pray with each other, and it's been a wonderful experience. And so, all right, let me let me tell you, we're going to when someone sits down, uh, we we ask people, we say your job is really simple. All we want you to do is to tell what's going on in here. Okay, you don't have to understand it. Don't try to explain it. Just what 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 is it that pops up here? Okay? And we honor people. We never ask people to go places they don't want to go. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I prayed with someone this week. I asked a question and he said, I don't want to talk about that. I said, Okay, we won't. There's a reason people cannot deal with things they're not willing to talk about. I can force it all day long. But if they don't want to talk about it, it's a waste of everybody's time. So, uh, what we want to be able to do is to say, uh, ask them, what are the things that that you feel like that, that God wants you to talk about or that you're really struggling with? In this particular situation, he said, um, I've really been struggling with our finances. We're really having a lot of debt right now because of my job situation. I'm constantly struggling with feelings of failure. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of Cliff Notes version. Uh, but he said, I don't even know why my wife loves me. I can't even be a good provider of my family. Um, and he said, you know, 
always look at everybody else and they seem to be doing great and fine and I'm not. And I'm, I spend my day just comparing myself to other people. Um, and so one of the things that... So as you heard those words, if you were to look on your chart, where, what, what would you say would be some of the areas that, that he would be struggling with? Just on the fruit level. Wounded. Wounded. Absolutely. Wounded. Right up here. He, uh, he felt powerless. He uh, felt hopeless. He was ashamed. Okay, what else? Any other areas up here? He felt a failure. Felt a failure, yeah. Yeah. He may not see himself as God sees him. He has an ungodly belief. Right. Right, absolutely. So let's just kind of focus on just these two areas. Actually, Anytime someone comes in for a prayer session, it could be all of these, but our goal is not to address all of them. You address the one that's most evident, like Andy did with the sin a minute ago, and then he got back down uh, to the others. One of the first things that we do in freedom prayer is we ask them to draw near to the Lord. The Scripture says if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you, Right? And and so we ask them, uh, will you draw near to the Lord? And we have them close their eyes and you draw near. And then and then once I, they, I say, tell me when you're there. And their eyes are closed. I said, I'm there. I said, who are you with? He said, I'm with Jesus. That's that's a possible flag for me. Okay. Um, I said, well, what's Jesus doing? He says, well, His arms are around me and He's giving me a hug. I said, well, what are you feeling? He said, I'm feeling a sense of peace, a sense of comfort. Uh, I feel loved. I feel like I'm with my best friend. And that's a neat place, isn't it, to be? Uh, so, uh, and so uh, I always ask three questions in my mind when they're drawing near. One is, what, what does the scene look like? What are they feeling? And what, what is their proximity to Jesus or to the Lord or the Holy Spirit? Because if they tell me they're on the other, I, we had Andy and I prayed with somebody one day and he asked that question. And the father was here and he was over in the corner. And he's afraid to come over here. You with me? Okay. So, once we got the place of Father, we said, uh, I asked this question, getting, trying to find out what the root is. Where did it come from and why? I said, Jesus, and I, he repeats this after me, Jesus, when was the first time that I felt a sense of failure? And sometimes the answers are quick, sometimes they're not. And he said, my mother gave me, I showed me a picture, and I still vividly have that picture in my mind that when I, when I was two years old, I was 
My picture was made with my shoulders slumped. What kind of image did he have of himself? Inadequate, unworthy. Failure. Incompetent. Mm -hmm. Incompetent. Not, not loved. And, uh, and then he came back and said, uh, he talked about some other things, but basically, he, um, um, well, let, let me go back. I'm trying to, um, And then one of the things that I ask, uh, that we all ask, is what did you believe about yourself when you saw that picture? He said a lot of the words that you said. So we have the root. <clears throat> and it goes back to uh, that there was always these expectations that you would do well. And if you're if if you're a kegel, then you behave this way. There were expectations, and he was afraid that he might fail if he didn't fulfill those expectations. And so one of the once we find out what that is, then we come over here, and if we're doing uh, the lost coin, we're also going to do uh, forgiveness and release the lies. But before we do that, before we uh, forgive and clear things out, I ask them, uh, what do you, are you willing to forgive your dad? We had already talked about a lot of different things, okay? Are you willing to forgive your dad? He said, yeah. Then I said, well, close your eyes and say, Jesus, what did my father owe me? My father owed me grace. Instead, he gave me unrelenting standards. My mom expected perfection. My dad gave me the impression that I wasn't good enough. My dad owed me a sense of nurture that I didn't do well, that's okay. Um, my dad owed me confident in my abilities. My dad owed me an optimistic view of life and said he gave me a, a view of life that the glass is always half empty. My dad owed me heart-to-heart -heart talks. We played sports together. We went fishing, but I didn't know him, and he didn't know me. Then we ask a question, what did you believe about yourself from this wounding? What did you believe about yourself? And in this particular case, here's what you gotta, here's what you got to understand. This is why forgiveness is so powerful. Because you don't understand what you're forgiving. You're not 
addressing the wounds. Are you with me? Okay, now, what did you believe about yourself? I'm not good enough. Oh, we're out of time. Okay, keep going. Uh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, we're, we're not out of time. We're not, I'm not good enough. Uh, I live life. I, I'm not going to make it. I'm not a good provider. I'm a scattered brain. I mean, he just went down the list of all these things that he believed. And so what we did was, when we went through forgiveness, we said, I forgive my dad for this, and I give up judgment on my dad, and um, I give up all expectations of my dad ever meeting that need. I now renounce the lies that I believed. Are you with me? Renouncing the lies. And then we say, Jesus who do you say I am? I'm telling you some of the most beautiful words and the beautiful scenes I've ever heard described come out of people's mouths. And this is what this is. You boot this out and you, you let the, the Holy Spirit or Jesus or God fill it with the truth and with this blessing. And then you say, you can, you got to realize that it's a choice Wherever your eyes are looking is where you're going to go. So if you choose to look to Jesus for your identity, and if you're going to have freedom, if you're going to have a developed life, you're going to look there. But if Satan distracts you to look over here, I don't care if your body's still facing this way, you're going to go this way. So it comes down to who you listen to and who you focus on and will you believe what they say about you even though the rest of the world may be telling you different. Does that make sense? So we're going to pick this up. Mike and Gene are going to pick this up again next week, lots of times. So kind of look at that. Think about your own situation. It's going to be, I'm not going to say it's a free-for-all next week, but I won't be here. So, um, But, uh, yeah, we're going to pick it up. And if we stirred up something in you, I, I feel like there's, little mini tornadoes going on in a few places. Come back or sign up for a Freedom Prayer Session at Otter Creek. It's pretty easy to find. Lord, thank you that you made provision for us to, to be free, not just saved, but to be free. Thank you that um, your load is easy, your burden is light, and we'll find rest for our souls. Thank you that you're the choreographer of how we grow and when we grow. Amen. Um, if you want a book, there's some up here. Uh, $10 is our cost. Um, if you don't have $10, free is your cost. Okay. <clears throat> oh, well, we don't have 10. Two, four, six. You already told him it was free. It's, yeah, it's too late. Okay. And that's it. Here, give this to give this to Jeannie. Okay, those are the those those are the links to the form. Um, because after.